Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm April Fallon. Enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. I'm your host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. I am the adoptive mother of four children, all infant adoptions, which is our topic today. Yay. Listen, I am so excited about the last two videos released. It has caused an influx of stories coming in. And I want to let you know, if you have submitted your story, we are pre-booking for interviews for season seven. We promise we will get to you. I know some of you have submitted and we've kind of gone back and forth trying to get you on the schedule, but just hang tight with us and we will get your story out there. Thank you for all of your kind messages and encouragement. And thank you for being such amazing, loyal listeners. We do need your help. The show grows by you sharing your stories, but also sharing the stories that we tell on social media. Tell your friends about us. We would love it. Okay, so today we have another podcast host guest. Yay! Tim Elder is the founder of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, blog, and online community. Tim, welcome to the show. Hi, April. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to have another podcast host here. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of fun, isn't it? Yes, and I was on your show like two years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You and Noah, that was that was amazing that you were able to come on and tell your story, and it's uh, been a very much downloaded podcast episode. So, oh, good, that's good to hear. Happy to come here and tell mine. Yeah, okay. So you have three children through adoption, through private infant adoption, which I should say because you can adopt in many different ways through the foster care system. You can adopt overseas. You can adopt um, older kinship children. I mean, there's just so many ways you can adopt. But today we're focusing on private infant adoption, the do's and the don'ts of going that route, like the pros and the cons, right? You, I know you have a really popular show. Um, one of your episodes, you did this, the top 10 things you need to know. Right. Okay. So tell us about why you started adoption. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my wife and I uh, went through several years of infertility, miscarriage, just probably like a lot of people do coming into adoption. And uh, it was very difficult, you know, going through those month after month. And I mean, I remember specifically the miscarriage, which we only had one, but that one is enough and more than anybody would ever want to go through. Mm-hmm. But it caused me really to go, why is this happening to us? I mean, we always had those kind of conversations. It kind of made me mad, right? And just helpless. And uh, how come we could just couldn't have a baby like everybody else? And it really brought out a lot of strong feelings, uh, but we knew at that point it wasn't going to come easy for us. So we just, we knew we wanted to be a mom and dad. We, we prayed about it. We actually begged God for it. Mm-hmm. And, and soon he made it clearer to us that adoption was the, the pursuit, the, the way we were going to build our family. So uh, it, I guess it was a little bit weird for me because I'm a guy and kind of took the lead. Not that my wife wasn't involved, but I really jumped in full, with full force, uh, both feet and got going with phone calls and meetings and researching and uh, anyway, we, we adopted, like you said, all three of our kids. I can just see right now, our, our listeners yeah. that our wives are pausing this and they're going to <laughs> grab their husbands right now because they want to hear what you have to say. Because it's rare that we have yeah, a dad yeah. leading it, a dad saying, I really want to do this. I really want to pursue this. I mean, it's kind of opposite of a lot of the stories we hear. It is. Same thing with me. I hear a lot of stories like, how do we get my husband involved? How do I help him 
to get him involved and get on board. And it is, it is a struggle. I don't know why it wasn't a struggle for me. I just really, I mean, I guess maybe it was the longevity of our infertility that we went through and I just got, okay, if this is our pursuit, then I'm all in, let's go. And maybe that's just kind of the person I am, but uh, yeah, it's kind of weird being a guy uh, leading the charge, but we did that. Uh, our, all our kids were adopted in three different states and we're, we're in the middle of the country. And so our kids were kind of adopted all around us, three different states, California, Ohio, Nevada. So we had three different times. They're all about five years apart. So each one of them was a different adventure, different story, different uh, open adoption uh, adventure as well. Uh, and, and the waiting time was a little bit different. So um, both two of them were really quick matches. One was a longer match. So we, we really went through a lot of different things to bring all three of our kids home. And uh, I think we would have adopted more, actually. I don't know if I say this very often, even on my podcast, but I think we would have adopted more if it wasn't for our age. I think we started getting up there in age. We're like, okay, I don't want to be, you know, a, a guy that somebody says, oh, your grandpa's here. Oh, wait, that's your dad. <laughs> so <laughs> we, well, we it ha- that happens three. a lot, though. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yep. And we've had some podcast episodes about that just because uh, it is it is a struggle it is something to think about when you're you're adopting and especially if you deal with a infertility a long time mm-hmm. your age starting to get up there and you start questioning uh, can i even adopt him I'm, I'm 50 now can i even adopt you mm-hmm. know, there's, those kind of questions always come across it really quick so i know i had someone do um embryo adoption actually it's like my second cousin who don't even talk to her but she heard a podcast and she carried a baby and delivered at, I think, 49 or 50, which is yeah. amazing. And and she, like you just said, she went through this long journey. And finally, she was like, I guess, you know, adoptions are option. But now she's like, you know, older. And she's like, how am I going to do this? And then what a miracle <laughs> that she was able to carry a baby, you know, carry her that adopted baby. So you, I think you're never too old if you know that you're supposed to keep going. I do agree with you that it does get more tiring. I mean, when we brought our fourth home, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm definitely not young. (laughs) It's harder to not have sleep. So I get that. But how did you and your wife decide on private infant adoption? Yeah, you know, we did a lot of research and this was, I mean, our first adoption was uh, 16 years ago. So there wasn't everything there is out on the internet now. There was a lot more out information and there's a lot more ways to adopt even. And so back then we were kind of, set on either you go to an agency and where we're from it's not very populated so the agencies here were like okay yeah you can get on our waiting list and we'll three or four or five years from now you might end up we're like no 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 not gonna work for us so that's why we started researching around and like okay how can we speed up this process that's how we got hooked up with uh, the folks that we work with it made a nationwide search for expectant moms who are looking to make an adoption plan. And um, that worked well for us. It only took us only nine months. Uh, when you're in it, it doesn't feel like only, but. Yeah, but nine months is like, feels like the time that you would carry a baby, right? Yeah, yeah very ir- ironic there, isn't it? Yeah, nine months. So it took us that long, um, but it was the right thing. And that, that same method we used on all three of our adoptions. And so it, it just worked for us. And we we they did search for us. We got attorneys uh, connected it through them, and we did independent adoptions. And it just it worked for us. Uh, I know it doesn't work maybe that way that well for everybody in every situation, but in ours it it worked, and uh, we probably wouldn't change a thing. I don't think. 
Okay, so what state are you in? Yeah, we're in Nebraska. Sorry, I didn't. And your first match was where? So first one was in Nevada. You know, and it was a really quick. I mean, it was less than a week. We got the call, and uh, we were talking with the expectant mom, and I mean, not very far into the phone call, she was like, "So, do you want to be the parents of my baby?" Oh boy! You're like, yes. Big questions. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, yes, yes. Uh, but you know, that kind of hits you real upside the head a little bit when you're first starting out in the adoption world and you don't know, you kind of know what to expect, but you're not ready for that kind of a question to be asked from the person that can make it happen for you. So it was pretty crazy. Is that one open adoption? Yep, it is open. It's been an an interesting open adoption adventure because it started out uh, not so open. Uh, Just a little bit of phone calls um, and really us mailing things to her. That was how we stayed connected. Uh, but that we lost track of her actually for a while, and then ended up connect reconnecting several years later. I really wanted to do a Facebook search for her just to see if I could find her. And we did, and then I still hesitated whether or not we should reach out to her. But we we did. She was so happy that we did. We found her, and so we've uh, been connecting through social media now. Oh my goodness. See, isn't it funny? Like every story is so different because if you were to ask me, I would say, don't reach out to her because she lost connection with you for a reason. That would be my thought process. But then you were led to just do it and she was so happy. And so that's why we tell stories because everybody has a different journey, right? It's like what you feel in your gut or in your heart or what you really feel like is the right thing to do. And then you go for it and it works out. So you can't really always follow a rule book. No, not at all. Like the do's and don'ts. But sometimes the do's and don'ts are like, yes, and do it. And, you know, it's like confusing. That's why I think a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, adoption is so big and it's so confusing and I'm so overwhelmed. But you and I are here to say, just take the next step, right? Just figure out the next step for the day. That's all you have to do. You don't have to figure out what about the birth mom? What about because everything we planned in our heads about our relationship with the birth mother was completely opposite. In fact, I was so excited to be hand in hand with the birth mother on my first adoption and she was gone and never met her. You know, and I was like really ready for this. And so it just you never know what's going to happen and just staying open. So tell us when you brought that baby home, how much that baby changed your life. Oh, my goodness. Um even before we brought her home, it was there in the hospital. It was there uh, waiting about almost two weeks for the interstate paperwork to complete. We're in a hotel just going, whoa, we got this newborn with us. Uh, but yeah, bringing her home and uh, you know, just walking up the airport ramp to all the family that's waiting for us that knew how long we waited to have a family and to have them holding up signs and celebrating with us and holding her, it was just magical. It was, uh, you know, you take pictures and you try to capture them all, but nothing will capture that kind of a moment because it's just that precious and something we had to wait forever for. But yeah, it changed our life. I mean, bring her, bringing her home, um, people put signs on our doors at our, at our house, you know, I mean, it, it was just... It was so amazing. It just brought us to tears, you know, and this little girl is now part of our family. And of course, we had to figure out 
what we do with a newborn, you know. <laughs> Cause right, right, because you don't you know. You don't know until you actually have a newborn in your family and you're and you're actually, you know, get, trying to get sleep and what do they do when they start crying and all that stuff. But totally changed our world. Um, and thankfully, our family is very, very supportive of us. Everybody was there with us to help us through it all. So that definitely made it easier. So how long did you wait? until you started the process again. And was anybody like, this is really expensive because private infant adoption is the most expensive journey. <laughs> well, that's not true because I've heard international can be as well. And so I, right. it's hard for me to say that, but it's more expensive than going through the foster care system. Let's put it that way. Oh, by far, by far. So were people saying, this is so, ex- this is outrageous. I remember people would say that to us, especially oh, yeah. on the second one. Oh, yeah, one. outrageous. I mean, even people would say, so how much did it cost you to get her? You know, I mean, even more craft questions than that. Oh, my gosh. People ask that in front of your kids. And I remember AJ said, you bought me? And I was like, oh, fun. <laughs> no, fun that no. we can have this conversation uh, with a stranger standing here. <laughs> and the stranger then felt really bad that they were like, how much were these kids? And he's like, you bought me. And then the stranger is like, oops, <laughs> beautiful family walks away. I'm like, thanks. I'll clean that up the rest of our dinner. You know? So people exactly. do say things yeah. like that, but how did you explain like, this is what we, we want to do. This is what we feel led to do another private infant adoption. Cause we're talking like base $25,000. Yeah. Yeah. It was expensive. And we knew that going in and we prepared for it. And we told people, you know, that's, this is, we need a lot of help. We can't just go and find uh, a, a expectant mom somewhere that wants to make an adoption plan and choose us. That's not just going to happen magically. We need people to help us do that. And that's the cost that are going into all this stuff. So it's not like you plop down your money and you wait for a baby. It's, there's a process to this and you pay people to help you with that process. So we just had to educate people as we went. And, you know, anytime there's attorneys involved, there's dollar signs behind it. All all those things happen. And they, and a lot of it is, you know, needs to happen. You want to make sure the kids have the right home, a safe place, a loving place to be. And then you got to make sure the legal stuff happens through the courts and all that stuff. So all these things have to happen. All those things require money. We just educated our families and friends when they were telling us that, that that's, it's part of the process and yeah, it's expensive and maybe it shouldn't be that way. I don't know. I'm not getting into all that, but that's just the way it is. And we worked and worked and worked at saving the money and, and getting it done, all three of our adoptions. So to answer your first question, though, we waited about well, in about two years before we started the second adoption. Okay. I know. You know, and sometimes so, you want to start right away. If it wasn't a money thing, you want to start right away because you know yeah. you could be waiting a long time. But right. agencies usually like you to wait at least a year and then it takes a while to save up. So, okay, two years. <laughs> And how long did you think you'd wait on this one? We thought it would be, you know, oh, well, we experienced nine months. Maybe it'd be another nine months. Well, it wasn't. It was more than that. It was, it was a better part of, well, almost two years uh, to match. And then it was, that one happened to be a longer match. So it was four months after that before our son was born. So it was a longer wait and a longer match. Uh, but again, I wouldn't change anything. Perfect family is just amazing. They're amazing people. Built a really amazing relationship with them. You talk about open adoption. I mean, we, we've. I mean, this might make people cringe to hear this, but if you, we actually have been on vacation with them. They've come to visit us. Um, a month ago, uh, we were invited to their wedding. Uh, his his birth 
mother and birth father got married. And so no way we were in the wedding and they oh had my a gosh. small intimate wedding. And they said, they said, Hey, we were, we're, we wanted to really want you there. And so we, we went, we traveled to Colorado. I went to their wedding and, and we, we thought it was going to be a bigger wedding. And they, we get there and there's, you know, 20, 25 of us. That's five of them were us. Wow. <laughs> they were telling everybody that we really wanted the most important people in our world to be here at our wedding to help us celebrate. We were part of that. So really is amazing it's it's about like you said before it, everything's situation is different every adoption is different but it is about relationships that's really this mm-hmm. is 100 really the, the epitome of that relationship building and if you talked to the tim before this adoption and you said oh. you might go on vacation with the family <laughs> would you could you have <laughs> even imagined that no 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 in fact when we first started the adoption research and everything, we, we started looking at this open adoption thing. Like, this is nuts. Why would you have a relationship? Can't you we just adopt and the baby is ours and we mm-hmm. just go on our happy way? Thankfully, we've got uh, really good people, uh, social workers that talked us out of that or off of that, I guess, and, and lovingly talked us through that and said, no, no, no. Oh, here's what open adoption really is. It's not co-parenting. It's not somebody that's always looking over your shoulder. It's none of that stuff that may sound scary to you. It's it's about relationships and, and building them and, and basically additional family. And they're absolutely right. That's what I would tell myself before we adopted is, man, you got to open up your mind and just be available, be open to having these kinds of relationships because that's really mm-hmm. what open adoption is. Mm-hmm. I mean, adoption is really adopting the whole story. We say that almost on every podcast, but adopting everyone that you can. And if you can adopt the birth parents and they want to be a part of your life, it's amazing. It really can be so beautiful and amazing. And some of us didn't get that. We wanted that and we didn't get it. Some of us didn't want it. And we did. You know what I mean? Like we've been saying, it's always a different journey, but how cool that it opened up. And I think it's cool because it's more people to love your child. No question. We've seen that. I mean, in fact, our son's birth family, I mean, they're so great at relationships and, and working with us and, and building relationships with us. That they just accepted our whole family. There are daughters, too, that are not their blood. So they're not biologically connected to them, but they're just accepted them just as they accept their son. So it's just, it's. So it's, they adopted you guys, too. Uh, it was like, you know, both, yeah, yeah, both yeah, sides. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that when there's a birth family and they also adopt the other children in the family that aren't, you know, biologically connected to them. It just shows that they're also opening their hearts and it can be such a wonderful thing. I do want to talk about ICPC really quick because some people are saying I have no idea what that is. And I also want to ask you, because we have a lot of listeners and you probably do too, of people who are waiting Advice for people who are waiting and explaining what ICPC is. Yep. So ICPC is the acronym for Interstate Compact for Replacement of Children. And it really just means every state in our United States has their own adoption laws and they talk to each other when it comes to, if you're adopting across state lines, like we did on all three of our adoptions, each state has their own laws. So each one of them has to work with the other to make sure the laws are being met in both states. So for our three, we I think the first one we waited, each one was about 10 days. I think the third one may have been a little bit longer. But the wait period of time is so you're staying in the state where the baby's born. 
waiting for these uh, entities between the states to connect and go, okay, yeah, is this paperwork done? Yeah, is this paperwork done? It takes them about that long to go, you're done, you're good, everything's legal. You may take the baby home. You can cross the state line. Before that, it would be illegal to cross state lines, right? It would be like you're stealing a baby. Right. So you have to wait in that state and and don't forget to budget that in too. If if you have family in that state, then that's great. Um, We chose Florida. So even though we were paying a lot, we were like, but it's beautiful. We'll just wait for two weeks on the beach. Not so bad. (laughs) It was expensive, but that part is a lot to think about because a lot of times families have to separate, you know, dad has to go back to work or mom has to go back to work. And so somebody has to stay, but usually you can be within the state borderline. So even if you're at a hospital in one city, you can travel to another city, right? We did. That's right. Okay. So I think most states are like that. You can go wherever. Okay. So you're not stuck like just in that city. If you know someone on the other side, you can just drive there and wait as well. So you know what we should start, Tim, is like, People opening their homes. Wouldn't that be cool if oh, you had goodness. like? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, people saying, "Hey, I'm in Ohio. If you get a baby, I have a room for you to stay in to help with, you know, the price of that." Anyways, that was just yeah. a little side note. Okay, how long did you wait? <laughs> how long did you? Oh, wait, did we answer the other question? What to do in the wait? Uh, well, you asked about the wait. Yeah, um, the wait is always tough. I, and there's no one good answer. Um, I've created guides. I've created blog posts. Uh, we did podcasts on this. And it all comes down to really what is uh, good for you in your situation. So some people, and like us, we wanted to make sure we were ready. So we actually did buy all the baby stuff that we needed. Uh, before our first one when we were 80. Some people don't like to do that. They don't want to walk by an empty nursery room and, uh, and see an empty crib. Or jinx that. it. They don't want to jinx it. Yeah, right. That too. I totally get that. For us, it worked us to have, we wanted. We were preparers. We wanted to be ready. Um, the other thing I, I always recommend to people is is don't sit around and wait. Um, literally sit around and wait. I mean, go do something, especially go on a vacation. Yes. Go, well, I don't want to be away from a phone. you got a phone. You're, everybody's connected. Go on a vacation. <laughs> That's my number one advice because I can't tell you how many stories we have where they're like, and then we planned our <laughs> dream vacation and we got the call while we were in Nepal. And it's like, oh my gosh, perfect. <laughs> so plan your vacation and know you're going to get that call when it happens. I don't know why yeah. the universe works like that, but... Yeah, that's funny. And I, I agree with that, that you keep yourself busy. You live your normal life. It's hard when people keep coming up to you and are like, any baby news? And you're like, no. I know. Going back to that is really hard. That's really, yeah. Tugs at you. Yes. Um, I, I've heard people, though, uh, taking uh, specifically taking vacations. They call them their baby moon even, right? Cause we're going to go mm-hmm. make sure we go on our seven-day Caribbean cruise before we, for this uh Baby we bring a baby into her mm-hmm. home, but I always, I always suggest to people too when you're waiting is just read. There's a lot of things to read about adoption, and adoption doesn't end when the baby's placed with you. So you, it's for a lifetime. You, you understand what it's like, and or listen to stories like you do on your podcast about people that are already adopted. What happens when their kids are two, three, four, ten, fifteen? these kids are going to go through and we're experiencing it right now just with all the different kinds of questions at different ages the adoption open adoption relationships are different for all three kids so how how come my birth family isn't so open and 
inviting and, and loving as his birth parents or mm-hmm. his birth family are. You know, those kinds of questions start to come out. And just understanding their even their adoption story, their specifics of their adoption story, we start telling our kids really early on, so they know. But we give them a little more information, a little more information as they're able to process it more, and as they ask more questions when they get older. So those types of things, I think, is good to learn about and hear other people's stories, so you know what to do and you're prepared for that when your child starts to grow up. Yeah, and I think that you know you don't want to jump too far ahead because you don't want to really think about them as teenagers necessarily, but it does spark a conversation with your spouse and enjoying the spouse without a baby or with just one baby while you're waiting. I wish I could go back to that time. I was always looking like for the next baby. It's like, I I wish I would have just enjoyed only napping one child, only one child in diapers, you know, or the time that Noah and I, we were just together. We should have enjoyed it instead of being so stressed. Yeah. Because yeah. you will look back on Absolutely. that time and go, oh, I should have enjoyed that more because the baby was coming. Because I think what happens yeah. is we worry yeah. because it, we don't know if the baby is coming. The baby's coming. If you keep at it and you keep going, your baby is coming. So just take advantage of that time. Where did you adopt second baby? I know you said that they now live in uh, families in Colorado, but where was that? Yep. Number two is Ohio. Ohio. Okay. So opposite direction. Yeah. So I have to say, too, uh, in the midst of our wait of the second adoption, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. So <gasps> oh my gosh. there was a whole big thing in the middle of that where she had to have surgery and treatment and recovery. And you know we had to put everything on hold. And uh, that was not part of our what I told you about our two years of, or almost two years of waiting. That was outside of that even. So it was more like four because... We had almost two years, 18 months-ish of her getting treated and having surgery and recovery and all that. So it was definitely rough in the middle of that wait. Uh, but she got through it. She was cleared. Uh, she was cancer-free. So you know, that allowed us to keep pursuing, thank God. And we were able to go on and adopt our, our son and got him from Ohio. Yeah, so the third adoption... Um, we waited just about not quite two years for her either because we we're starting to get up there in age a little bit again. We we're like, eh, we don't want to wait too long. So we started that one and uh, it took just about two years to adopt her as well. So it was quite the long match or sorry, long wait, but the short match again. About 10, 11 days before she was born, we got the call. So we had just a few phone calls with her uh, birth family out in California, and um, we were, we are just, I'll never forget it, we were driving to church one day, and we knew the due date was had come and gone, and we're like, oh, this could happen any minute. And literally, we were driving to church, didn't quite get into church, thankfully, yet, but we got the call, and all of us were just, like, screaming at the top of our lungs in the car, because mm. <laughs> the, the baby was born, and, and the funny thing is, we, they thought, to ultrasounds that it was going to be a baby boy. So that's what everybody expected. And she said, well, surprise, it's a baby girl. So it was really no fun. Way. It was really exciting. I don't, I don't remember anything about church that day. <laughs> so it was a girl? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So it, so it was very surprising, but it was awesome. As well. And so did you drive to California or jump on a plane? Yeah, no, no. So we drove, we flew. Yeah, we made very fast arrangements 
grandparents around to watch the other two. So we jumped on a plane, got up as fast as we could. And uh, yeah, we got to the hospital. She was um, still there. Uh, she stayed a couple of days in the hospital. And yeah, we got to the, the hotel, got to meet the birth family. And uh, just another, another amazing experience. Um, every adoption is different, like you said. Like you, everybody, all the guests on your show, every story is different. All three of ours were different. They had some of their own challenges. We had to stay a little bit longer in California. There's some legal things between the two states that were like, what is going on? So we had to stay a little bit longer there, but it got done and legally everything happened the right way. And finally, I got to take her home and taking a newborn, never easy on an airplane. No, right. Uh, but we, even after the third time, we thought, oh, we got this. And then uh, there's always something that goes mm-hmm. south. I think that one, she was crying a lot for whatever reason. But <laughs> yeah, another amazing experience. And bringing the, every time, you know, you bring home a baby and you're, you're walking up the ramp after you're getting off the airplane and family there is just, golly, nothing like it. Nothing like it. It just brings tears to your eyes because you're, you're building your family and everybody's there celebrating. And it's like the happiest time. Yeah. It yeah. makes me want to go get a baby because it's like such a <laughs> amazing time when you bring this baby home and everyone knows what you've been through. Yeah. And, you know, you've changed so much because you've gone through so many different hoops. And it's just like, it's just glorious. There's no other way to say it. It's like this time frame of just utter joy yeah. and happiness and gratitude. And you just look at this little baby that is so valuable and you just can't believe that the baby's in your house, you know, that you get to raise right. this baby. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. There's no words really. I mean, it's, it's hard. And I, I know some people talk about, and I've heard people on your show even talk about when you're, I, you get that chance to be in the hospital with your little one and with the birth family there and you're so full of joy yet mm-hmm. you're feeling the heartache, heartbreak that they're having and the, the roller coaster of emotions that go on and it happened to us all three times uh, and it always was when you're, you're actually physically walking out of the hospital with the baby and mm-hmm. the birth families just get me choked up just thinking about this kid this you're walking out of the hospital with a baby and the family is, and it's not always the birth family. Maybe it's just the birth mom, but she's there and you're hugging her goodbye and you're holding this precious baby and you're so happy you're building your family yet you're torn for her. Mm-hmm. Everybody's crying and it's not like they're upset with you. They're not mad. They're, they're, they're just sad. Yeah. You know, it's is, a lot. It hurts. It hurts mm-hmm. because and you're so that roller coaster of emotions is so hard. To hard. Yeah. Hard to put somebody in there in that situation without experiencing it. Yeah. We had our birth father say something to the effect of your happiest day is my worst day. Your greatest joy, oh, wow. your glorious moment is the deepest part of my grief. And that is really hard. I had somebody once say to me, oh, it must be so much easier to adopt because your body doesn't go through all this pain. And although that's very true, mentally, what you've gone through is really painful and hard. It's a different kind of thing you go through, but you are really going through something 
challenging as well, right? You really do need time to heal. And there are times that you come home and although it's so wonderful, you're exhausted. You're mentally exhausted because of what you went through and because, and you, and then also her and and that family. And it's something that you can't understand until you really sit in the hospital room with birth family. And one, one thing that stood up to me every single, all three times is how much they were, birth family or birth mom was torn and upset and crying and everything. But the love, the love you felt, the love she, she had for her baby. I mean, people tell us, oh, I could never, I don't know how anybody could ever quote unquote give up their child. And you, if you're there and you're part of that and you're seeing the love, that, that connection there, I mean, you uh, mm-hmm. can't answer that. I, nobody can answer that question, but you, all three of our times, the, the birth moms especially, had they were crying out of love. Mm-hmm. They wanted the very best. And I can say that too yeah. with private infant adoption. When, when the birth family has an opportunity to choose and place her baby, she's making a loving plan for her child. And I can say to all four of my children, your mom loved you so much. She made the decision, and I'm going to cry course. But she loved you, and that's why she chose adoption. She wanted the most for you, and this is what she thought was the best. And I'm so grateful that she did. And being able to say that to the kids is so wonderful. That's what I love about open adoptions is that you have so much more of the story. You can talk to them so openly. When they have questions, a lot of times you can answer those questions. It's not a mystery. And that's what I think is so beautiful about it. I know a lot of people are afraid of it. And Tim and I are on the same page. We were too. We were totally afraid of open adoption. We were, you see the movies and they're like, they're going to come back and take their baby and all the things, right? And it, it ends up not being that way at all. And it's just something that is so amazing. It almost gets addictive <laughs> to be a part of somebody else's story and be a part of bringing home a baby. You know, once we were on the fourth one, we were like, gosh, like we could just keep going. Like you said, like we could just keep <laughs> adopting. But then eventually, you know, everything catches up with you and and you got to stop at some yeah. point. But helping other people and what we do, Tim, for the adoption community or with the adoption community is so wonderful because I get to experience that. Like today, I just experienced that listening to you, right? And I get to talk to people and jump into their stories and be a part of their adoptions. Like this is what I live for. I can't necessarily go and do it anymore, but I can be with you and do that. And I think that that is why we keep going. And tell us a little bit about, you know, you brought your baby home. Talk about your podcast. Yeah, so podcast is amazing and it's it's, uh why I, it relates exactly to what you just said, connecting with other people and hearing their stories and helping other people. And it's the podcast also through the Facebook group and then the community we've started now is, it's just about helping people go through what we've already gone through. And, you know, somebody's coming into this and they're like, what is adoption? Do I use that for me? How do you do it? The millions of questions that overwhelm everybody feels this is why I did the podcast. This is why I have the website. This is why we are doing this is because we felt what you feel, the overwhelm, not knowing what to do, not knowing where to go. So the podcast is 
all about that. Uh, thankfully, I've got to have uh, really blessed to have my daughter as a part of uh, one of the episodes. So I got to interview her, and that was a really special one because she got to just uh, you, you really just could see what adoption means to her as, mm-hmm. as an adoptee. And she was a teenager at the time. I was still a teenager, but she was a teenager at the time. So it, she was a little bit older and got to really articulate what adoption meant to her. That was a fun episode. And the other one really always stands out to me and people talk about is when my wife was on. She only had been on one time trying, trying to talk to her into doing it again. I think, I think we will. But that was the 10 things we learned through three adapt, input adoptions. And that was uh, her coming on and just her and I talking and, uh, I would highly recommend listening to that episode. Episode 62 is a great one. And so community for us, since way back when we first started our first adoption, always community was important to us. And we found it a lot on Facebook. We still have a 4,000-member Facebook group, and it's thriving and great. Uh, the thing that I think it's missing is a little bit of intimacy, a little bit of small group feel. So that's why we started this community inside Infant Adoption Guide. It's just tragic when somebody gives up. I know. Doesn't want to continue their adoption journey because, like you said before, if you stick with it, yeah, the baby's going to come. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have a family. The community to me is just super, super important. So uh, I just want to recommend to everybody to find your people. Yes. Where's your adoption community? Where's your adoption support? Find them. Okay. How can people find you? Yeah. So thank you for asking. That's uh, our community, our Facebook group. I mean, you can go to infantadoptionguide.com top of the page so you can get join our community and that'll get you exactly where you need to go or you can get our facebook group uh there's a lot of people in there a lot of people asking questions we keep it very uh, we try to keep it very safe and secure and free for people to ask questions uh, but if you want something smaller a little something more um, intimate and uh able to ask more questions and, and build a relationship with people that's why we started our online community at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash community, you can figure out how, what that's all about. And uh, I'm happy to help anybody that's, that wants to get in and, and see what it's all about because I think it's it's really there to help us move through our adoption journey with a whole lot less overwhelm, headaches, stress. Um, you're going to have the emotions no matter what, but at least you can have somebody there with you to be a shoulder to cry on or give you a high five. That's right. Amen. Thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for listening. If you have an adoption story you'd like to share, please email us at afallon at adoptionnowpodcast.com. We'd love for you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Find us on social media. Thank you so much for joining us on your adoption show. See you next episode. Mm-hmm.